There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. We just weren't good enough. We didn't play well enough to win. We had a fair amount of chances, but we, we didn't, you know, we didn't finish on them. But I, I don't think we, we played well enough to win. Mike Sullivan, extremely unhappy after yesterday's loss for the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Philadelphia Flyers. He should be. They played badly. The loss came at a bad time, and they didn't look like they gave a damn while it was happening. Not to mention how many bets and parlays did the Penguins screw up by losing that game and even failing to hit the over after what they did to Detroit the game before. I mean, think of us gamblers, guys, first and foremost, right? I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and we are brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. It's a Madden Monday with Mark Madden of 105.9 The X, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Coming up shortly, Bet Rivers gives you more reason to root, root, root for the home team with a 20% profit boost on all Major League Baseball games. Log on today and place your bets on the money line the point spread, or who will hit the long ball, and you will earn a 20% profit boost on any baseball game. Terms and conditions apply. See the site for details. Peanuts and hot dogs not included. Log on to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app and place your bets. Presented by Rivers Casino. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Very little locally to bet on today. The Pirates and Penguins are both off. Just one NHL hockey game. The betting against the Pirates theory came up a loser three times out of four at Wrigley Field over the weekend. Then again, if you bet on the Pirates getting 20 and a half runs on Saturday, you lost there too. 
Can't you get paid out more than once if you bet on a baseball team and they win by three football touchdowns like the Cubs did against the Buccos on Saturday? You should get paid triple for that, shouldn't you? Or if the run total was like seven, seven and a half and it gets to 21, shouldn't you get triple? I think so. Brewers and Giants, that's my pick today. If I'm betting baseball, Corbin Burns is pitching for the Brewers. The under is plus 100 at seven and a half and the Brewers are minus 200 to win. That's rich. But it is Corbin Burns. Hey, go with the run line if you like at plus one and a half at plus 108. Pirates take on the Brewers next at PNC Park this week, so they'll miss Burns. That's good for them. It's bet against Mitch Keller Tuesday tomorrow against Brandon Woodruff, too. So keep that in mind for that boosted bet I told you about earlier. On the hockey front, the Pens do not play until tomorrow. They're against the Edmonton Oilers in game 81 of the regular season. Gotta like the over in that one, don't you? Pens and Oilers coming in right now with the Oilers at plus 138 to win straight up. Penguins minus 167. I imagine that the over-under will be 6.5 and and the odds will be very high towards the over, but go there anyway. I mean, Dreisaitl and McDavid against Casey DeSmith? I mean, come on. Uh, What's that going to stay under? I don't think so. I don't know about the win line. One game I'd stay away from until I get absolute certainty one way or the other as to whether or not Alex Ovechkin is playing is Islanders and Caps. I know the Islanders have lost a bunch in a row and the Caps, well, they're in playoff contention. But without Ovi, that could be a ding there. Uh, you might find some good value on the Islanders. Wait and see on that one. Toronto at minus 408 on the win line against the Red Wings. Got to like that. Maybe a parlay with the Lightning at minus 385. That would make some sense. Or the Wild against the Coyotes. That one looks worthwhile as well if you're looking for a little three-team parlay NHL-wise tomorrow. Just one game tonight. Ugh, stay away from this one. Chicago and the Flyers? I wouldn't bet there. Find something else. Does the USFL have Monday Night Football yet? If so, go that route. If you have to, bet the Blackhawks, Flyers, Beat the Penguins. That was like their Stanley Cup, for God's sakes. Chicago minus 141 in what would I would imagine to be a letdown game for Philadelphia if such a concept is possible in this affair. Then there is the USFL from over the weekend. Didn't mention that. Told you about those Philadelphia blobs, right? They couldn't keep the under, but they squeezed in against the Ballers. 30-23 to 23 final score. More points on the board than fans in the stands. Football is God intended in Birmingham. Betting against the Maulers is going to pay big money this year for sure. But let's get to some real football. The NFL draft coming up. Matt Williamson joins me for the second in our series of pre-draft podcasts. We look at a true position of need for the Steelers. Wide receivers today, also running backs and tight ends. Matt and I look at the over-unders of those positions in the draft and more in today's episode. We all know about the running back conversation last year and how in-depth that got. I think there's a similar strategy that's emerging and a similar conversation when it comes to the NFL about wide receivers, Uh, not necessarily the disposable nature of them, but the value of them in the first round versus the second and third round, because you can find them in the second and third round and have them be great star players. How do you feel about that dynamic of taking a wide receiver in the first round, as opposed to a running back since we, talked about that ad nauseum last year before the Steelers got Harris well 
I think there's some indicators that wide receivers are becoming the new running back in that the supply might exceed the demand. I also think that if if you're a football historian, you might look back at this offseason as a very crucial time in wide receiver history in the NFL. Like I think the the play tectonics of the NFL landscapes is changing very rapidly right before our feet. You know that uh, teams with great quarterbacks are trading Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, and they're, they're going to go the Steeler direction of taking a receiver in the first three rounds and pay them peanuts. And this also applies to the Steelers. The Deontay Johnson draft class, Metcalf, A.J. Brown, McLaurin, Debo Samuel, Deontay, all those guys – are about to become free agents after this year. They weren't first-round picks, and they've all been very, very good, but it, by NFL standards have made very little money. Like, these teams have been immensely happy going that direction, and the Steelers are the epitome of it. I mean, if you're going to get Juju and Claypool and Deontay and get starters on day two from a, a pool of wide receivers that's always very deep and there's always a lot to pick from. And the other thing that's changed, too, like you remember, it used to be the third year breakout for wide receivers. You know, like first year they kind of struggled, second year got a little better, then they break out in year three. There's none of that anymore. The rookies come in and are ready. Like Jamar these guys, Chase, Jamar Chase, a perfect Jaylen example. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. I mean, there's yeah. on and on. That doesn't mean there aren't still misses. I mean, Jalen Rager's a miss. I mean, doesn't mean everyone's a miss, but economically, and that was a big thing I talked about with quarterbacks. If you just draft a wide out on day two three out of four years, you're going to have an unbelievably cheap wide receiver room that probably has some star potential. So a lot of it depends on your quarterback though. Like I could see a team like Miami saying, we don't want to take that route. You know, we want a veteran Tyreek scary guy for our young quarterback where Patty Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, sorry, we're taking your best friend, but you're going to have to develop a second and first round pick. So I think drafting receivers high is very smart. And I'm looking at, you know, the a receiver list right now. There's 16 of them or so that I think would immediately help the Steelers or wherever they land and get in and, you know, be a, a, a difference maker or at least a producer. So when you say high, you mean as high as the first round because you can get the extra fifth year? Yes. And my favorite guy in this class is Jamison Williams from Alabama, who's coming off a, an ACL in the national championship game. But if I get four and a half years of Jamison Williams at a rookie contract, I'll give you the 20th pick all day long for that. One other note though, just so I get it out of my system, you mentioned Waddle, you mentioned Chase, and I would put Devontae Smith in this category too. As prospects, I would take all three of those guys over everyone in this class. Even Williamson, or Williams, excuse me, because I know you like him. Yeah, because of the injury, so that gives me a little bit of an out. But a clean Jamison Williams, probably I would take over Devontae Smith, but not Waddle. Our colleague, Mike Pursuta, I think every day, Matt, he gets closer and closer to the draft, and he talks himself more into Traylon Burks for the Steelers every day. He loves this guy, the Arkansas guy, who yeah, he does. I've heard is a little bit of Debo and a little bit of Juju. 
um, a more talented, more dynamic Juju and maybe a slightly poor man's Debo. How close of an accurate description is that out of Arkansas, 6'2", 225? What's your read on him? If you don't like him, you say he's LaVisca Chenault. You know, I mean, kind of a gimmicky type of guy, where if you like him, you describe him as you and Pursuta just did. And I see both. Um, he's fifth for me. I like Wilson, Williams, London, and Alave better. Mm-hmm. He's just not a very refined route runner. And I mentioned the third year breakout thing, you know, how rookies come in and play right away and really excel. It's mostly the route runner types, the guys that are sharp route runners. And that's not Burks's game. I mean, he will get carries at the next level. Um, everyone's looking for Debo. And he may line up in the backfield and get a handoff here and there, but he's not going to run inside zone like Debo did. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, that, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But he'll be the Matt Canada end-around guy, and I'm sure Canada would like what Burks can do with the ball in his hands. He's big. He's physical. He didn't test great, but he looks a lot faster than that on film. Like, I don't th- I'm not real worried about his speed, but his testing was poor by this receiving class standards. But he's also 225 pounds. He's not 180 like some of these other guys. I like him. I don't love him. Um, I know Mike likes him better than I do. Mike Tomlin or Mike Pursuta? Definitely Pursuta. Okay, good. I mean, not that I don't value both opinions, of course, but if you were going to say Tomlin, then yes, I would be even more inclined to go Pursuta's direction and spend a closer time examining him. What kind of receiver do you think the Steelers need? Is it a guy like that? Is it more of Sky Moore at 5'10", 195? You know, a a slot guy, uh, Jahan Dotson, who's a little bit smaller, like to replace Ray Ray McLeod as a slot option. What do you think they need at wide receiver more than anything else? I think they need a slot and an outside deep guy, and they'll probably only get one of the two. I think you can make it work with one or the other, you know, a traditional slot would then have Johnson and Claypool as your outside guys. And remember the, the Super Bowl teams are the only teams in the league that had three receivers on the field more than the Steelers. I mean, they lived in 11 personnel. So we're talking about a starter here. But if they were to get a Alec Pierce or a Christian Watson, the tall downfield outside the numbers type, then you got to finagle the slot position a little bit more. I mean, that doesn't mean you couldn't grab one in the fifth round or sign Jarvis Landry or find some washed up Amendola Welker clone. And a little birdie told me that they might like Miller a little bit better than people think too, who's already on the roster. So don't forget about that. But I think they need both to be very honest with you. I don't like Johnson out of the slot. So if they got Wilson Williams or Drake London at 20, would you think that's a good draft pick or a bad draft pick? Wilson, all would be good. Williams would be my favorites. Is Burke sort of the cut line there? Burks would not be in my top 20 prospects. Alave okay. would be close. Yeah, I I like Alave. I feel like I like Alave more than uh, he's been my favorite. Uh, and I can see that. Maybe I'm just biased because I saw him play so well in college so often and I'm not applying right. my how does it translate to the NFL hat. Maybe I'm not putting that on enough, but uh, I just uh, I loved him at Ohio State for the time that I saw him. He's a little bit older. 
Um, he's a little bit in between too, I guess, Matt, in the sense, you know, six mm-hmm. foot, 187. But that, that's Wilson size too. I mean, those two are almost identical size-wise. They are. And I mentioned how route runners translate. He's certainly a refined route runner. It would shock me if he's a bust. Um, one little note on Alave, and I wouldn't hold this against him that much, but as the season progressed and the games meant more, and he was I – mean, he's an all-time great Ohio State receiver. He played a lot of great snaps for them. But as the season went on, they featured Wilson and the kid that's still there that's better than both of them more than they did Alave when it mattered most. So over under five-and-a-half wide receivers in the first round. Over. 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 I mean, if you look at the – I mean, the Packers have two picks. The Chiefs have two picks. They both almost have to have one. Uh, We talked in the quarterback section. The Saints have two picks before the Steelers. They almost have to have one. Um, I think Jahan Dotson from Penn State is right there nipping on Alave's heels and will be a first-rounder. I think Sky Moore or Christian Watson will probably be a first-rounder when it's all said and done, too. Over under one running back, or I should say over under half a running back. Is yeah, basically right. what I'm asking is Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker going to go in the first round? What do you think? I think no, but Buffalo's a little scary. I could see them taking Kenneth Walker. I think he'd be a good oh. fit there, actually. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just, would you take him over a corner? I mean, the corner's mm-hmm. a need for them. They're a very, I keep bringing up economics and team building, but they're a very economic aware team and in economically speaking investing in a running back in the first round versus a corner is a bad idea i wonder if i should ask tight ends this way over under one and a half tight ends through the first two rounds that's a good line yeah, i mean I, like i there's no pits of course in this class i would take friar Muth over all these tight ends you know coming out of penn state even before seeing them in the sealer uniform I think definitely, though, you'll get at least one in the second frame. Probably two, but I don't like that bet. Give me a tight end that you might see the Steelers take on day three that could be better than, say, Zach Gentry. Give me a running back maybe on day three that the Steelers might take that's better than Benny Snell. Do you have any options? Well, the running back list better than Benny Snell is plentiful. I, I don't think Benny <laughs> Snell's an NFL back and not to kill Benny Snell. Cause I want to throw him a little carrot here. He's a core special teamer. I mean, D- Danny Smith loves him. He's out there for every special team snap. That's his value at this point. And he can get you out of a game as a, you know, a, an emergency running back, but he's not an NFL ball carrier to me. Um, this is not a great running back class, but in the fifth round or so there's, Several names I could give you, and I just want to make sure I don't skip anybody. Uh, one of my favorite is Tyrion Davis-Price from LSU. Um, I like Zamir White from Georgia. He might go a little earlier than that. Uh, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. Uh, Jerome Ford from Cincinnati. And unfortunately, after he's a first-round pick on a running back, I think it would be smart to add another. What about tight end? Anybody? Or Zach Gentry, as good as it gets? I think Gentry's an NFL player, and I didn't think that for a couple of years, to be very honest with you. I, I give him credit for becoming the Matt Spath blocker type guy. Um, but if it gets late enough in the draft, I could see them be going after somebody like James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. Um, played very few snaps because of injury, so maybe you get him around later 
and the Steelers could kind of bring them along slowly. Tight end class isn't very exciting, to be very honest with you. All right, so my thanks to Matt Williamson. Tomorrow, we'll look at the trenches, offensive line, defensive line for the Steelers and the NFL at large. That's coming up tomorrow on the Pittsburgh CityCast. But up next, in just 30 seconds, a bad Monday for you this week. Talking pens, talking playoff expansion, perhaps, in the NHL. The passing of Guy Lafleur. The NFL draft for the Steelers. We'll get into that with Mark as well, and even some baseball talk, too. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. It's NFL Draft Week. The Penguins get a split on the road, hockey loses a legend, and the Pirates manage to win a in Chicago, yet be minus 17 in run differential. It's been quite a week, and we are now wrapping it up with Mark Madden from 105.9 The X, and we are looking ahead to a week that could be crazy for both the Steelers and the Penguins. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers for a Madden Monday podcast. Bet Rivers gives you more reason to root, root, root for the home team with a Tuesday 20% profit boost on all Major League games. Log on tomorrow and place your bets on the money line, point spread, or who will hit the long ball, and you'll earn a 20% profit boost on any baseball game. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Peanuts and hot dogs not included. Log on to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app and place your bets. And don't forget that we are brought to you by BetRivers in Pittsburgh, the Rivers Casino. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mark, let's start with the Penguins. You just finished running your deck hockey tournament. Was there better hockey played there today than was played in Philadelphia by the Pens? There was more effort given, I can tell you that for sure. Um, Penguins had a lot on the line today. Uh, Claimed to third place, built some legit momentum with a third straight win, and they gave minimal effort. I, I thought it was a an embarrassing loss, a depressing loss, and I think it defined their season at least uh, how they're playing in the late going of the season, there was no there there. They just look disinterested. How can you look disinterested when you're trying to stake out turf as the playoffs beckon? But, uh, Tim, the last three years in a row, I have picked the Penguins to win their first-round series and been disappointed. Uh, This year, I will pick them to lose their first-round series, and that will apply no matter who they play. That's been my approach for a while now, Mark, and it has been solidified even more, not just by their level of play, but also the goaltending situation. Although, you know, I don't blame Deming for what happened today. I thought it was a much bigger deal beyond what happened in net. Yeah, I don't think it was Deming's fault at all. I thought their 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 pressure, their opportunities, everything they did with the puck was just minimal. I mean, you're playing a Philadelphia team that's just awful. Fourth worst record in the league. And you go out there and you soil the bed. And don't hand me that crap that they played the day before at Detroit. As road trips go, even back-to-back, that was relatively easy. Pittsburgh to Detroit, not a long flight. Uh, Detroit to Philadelphia, not a long flight. The Penguins just played horribly. And Evgeny Malkin continues to be just despicably bad, five-on-five. The Penguins are a one-line team now, period. That's what they are. And... 
I don't see that changing. I don't see anybody heating up to the point where they can rely on anybody but the Crosby line. It was a 7-2 game against Detroit in the first game of the weekend. And I was even listening to the pregame show um, on the radio on the X mark, and they were talking about how, well, it really bodes well for the Steelers playing the Flyers in the second half of a back-to-back because every single player on the Penguins Jim, got you over. Said, you said the Steelers playing the Flyers. The, the Penguins weren't that bad. The point being that every Penguin who played against the Red Wings had over 10 minutes of ice time. And uh, because of that, you know, the minutes were spread out. It wasn't that hard of an effort against Detroit. That shouldn't have been at all an excuse against Philadelphia whatsoever. Well, you just uh, had a Freudian slip there with the Steelers, Tim. The Penguins feel very much like the Steelers do, did rather, at the end of this past season, where the Steelers, yeah, they snuck into the playoffs, but you knew there was no hope in the playoffs. It feels like there's no hope for the Penguins in these playoffs. And, Tim, it's not just because Jari's hurt, although many will use that as the excuse. They wouldn't have a chance with Jari in that, the way they're playing. And that goes against any team they could play. I agree with that because I think a lot of us still would have been in the same boat where we're saying, hey, you know what? We don't know what Jari's going to do in the playoffs. Um, He didn't do anything worth remembering in the playoffs against the Islanders last year. Why look at him and say he's going to be better than Shesterkin? Why look at him and say he's going to outduel the Canadians or what the Panthers can present? I'm with you, Mark. I still would have picked the opponent, whoever the opponent was, regardless of who it is, even if Jari was between the pipes. Yeah, and uh, again, like I said, that'll be the excuse. But it just, it, it, you know, DeSmith has played really well. See, that's one thing that's scary. DeSmith, since he got trust in there because of injury, I think he's pulled his weight and then some. But don't forget, when you play a seven-game series, and the Penguins won't play a seven-game series, it'll be a five-game series. And I say that with as much optimism I can muster. But when you play a team in a series, they get a read on the goalie. And, you know, nobody's used to shooting on a five foot ten goalie, but whoever they play, they'll get used to it and quickly. So you think regardless of who they play, it's what, five, six-game series tops then for Pittsburgh, and then it's time to start rebuilding? If they play Florida, it'll be four or five games. If they play the Rangers, it'll be five or six games. Um, I, I haven't considered the option of Carolina. I guess that's possible. For some reason, I feel that had the best chance against Carolina because Carolina's not looked great lately, although I haven't seen them play lately either. I'm just assuming whoever they play is going to be better than the Penguins. Yeah, Carolina was stumbling. They were banged up, but even they, Mark, looking at them now, they've won, what's, let's see here, four in a row and seven of ten. So they're starting to find their footing. Well, I think the Penguins of the playoff teams, yeah, you look over the last ten games, last, last 12 games, uh, they've got the worst record of the bunch, uh, them even a little bit worse than the Bruins. Yeah, uh, I mean, they beat the Bruins pretty good in Pittsburgh the other night. You know, it just, every time they step forward, you know, when they won the two games in a row, they, they should beat Detroit and, you know, killed them here in Pittsburgh not too long ago. If they would have beaten Philadelphia and got the third straight win and kept their hold on third place, at least for, for now, I could have actually started to con myself again. Maybe they did me a favor because I don't want to con myself. I I know what I'm seeing and what I'm seeing isn't good. And we've invented optimism, and it was purely invented, made of whole cloth. We've done that the last three years, and I'm just not prepared to do it again. Is Florida so good that even Bobrovsky as a goaltender in the playoffs can't get in the way? Against Pittsburgh, that's correct, right. 
What about, I'm talking big picture with them. Do they win the East? Are they that good this year? No, they won't win the East. Okay. Who do you like? I think, I like Tampa because of their goaltending. You know what's weird, Tim, is that I think all eight teams in the East are tough to get out of it. I think it's a really deep playoff field. You know, those eight teams that will make the postseason in the East. But I don't see any one overwhelming team either. Every team I look at, I see a bit of a weakness. Like Tampa doesn't have the third line they did. They're another year older, another year more worn out. Uh, I look at Florida, and I do question the goaltending. Um, I look at Toronto, and hey, they're Toronto. Actually, of all the teams, New York Rangers actually look the best now. I mean, right this second. So I don't see anybody overwhelming. But if you made me pick one team right now, yes, it would be Tampa. And I, and I don't feel real great about that pick either. How do you feel about the conversation that's gone on this week that the NHL should mimic what the NBA is doing and have a play-in series round for teams 7 through 10? I think so, yeah. Oh, you like it? Yeah, because I always liked the baseball wild card, which, of course, baseball is ruined by, by what, what the first – now that they expand the playoff field, the first series is going to be what, best of three? What's it going to be? Best of five? Uh, best of three, I think. Yeah, which is ridiculous because it makes the teams that won the division, you know, that had the better records to get that first round by, they have to wait to play. Right, yes. And theoretically could get stale, although the way pitchers are used – I don't know, maybe nobody will care. Maybe those teams will care. But but uh, I like that one game, single elimination, game seven feel right off the bat. I like it in the NBA, even though I don't watch the NBA. I like it in hockey as well. Okay, so you're all right then with a team, like for instance, this year, the seven seed, well, it might be the Penguins, depending on how the points spread out. But you'd be okay with the Penguins then getting, gosh, like, Buffalo or Columbus, I guess it would be Columbus, in their first-round matchup and losing to a team that's got 20 points less than them uh, in a 7-10 matchup or something like that. Like I, I think that's so arbitrary to say, okay, the 10th team gets in, but the 11th doesn't. To me, that's just as arbitrary, if not more so, than saying 8 get in because 8 at least means an equal quarterfinal. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like rewarding teams that deep into mediocrity. And for a team, especially one that has a huge point differential that's gotten snugly into the top eight, to have a one-game series against a team that might be a 10th seed, that's kind of distasteful to me. Well, but Tim, you're going to have years, too, where, you know, seeds 7 through 10 will be tightly bunched up. Yeah, I guess that could be the case in the West, yes. Yeah, well, and but just not this year in the East, but uh, as Motley Crue once so famously said, entertainment or death, I'm not concerned about what's fair. So you'd only want the one game. You wouldn't want a two of three then. Oh, no, no, no. I, I would do it exactly like the NBA. Seven versus eight, nine versus ten. Winner of seven versus eight is in. Loser of seven versus eight plays the winner of nine versus ten. Mark Madden with us. This is the Madden Monday podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Mark, your thoughts on the passing of Guy Lafleur? I know he was a favorite of yours. Yeah, um, not like Bossy, but Guy was tremendous, and I always have respected the fact he was Mario Lemieux's favorite player. And whenever Mario has spoken to Guy, has been absolutely reverent toward even just you know mentioning him. And we've all seen that picture of Mario, I guess, when he was 15, sitting right behind the Canadians' bench uh, when Guy got his 1,000th point, and they 
photographed uh, Guy waving to the crowd, and there's Mario. Guy Lafleur is proof that you should never give up on your on your top picks if they have a couple bad years because Guy never topped 30 goals his first three years in the league. He only got 21 his third year, but then the next six seasons he scored 50 or more, including 60 one season. So um, just a really exciting player. Every bit as exciting as the statistics. A winner, won all those cups with Montreal, scored a bunch of big goals in crucial situations. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the the Boston Bruins, too many men on the ice goal that, that, that turned that game and uh, ultimately won the series for Montreal, for Boston, and against Boston in one of Montreal's cup years in the late 70s. Um, it, 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 the story of how Montreal got him is pretty interesting, too. They, they somehow well, – Montreal would just get everybody's first-round pick that they thought might suck. And the Oakland Seals – were one of those teams. Boy, they did suck, too. They sucked bad. They changed names, wore white skates, didn't exist after a while, moved to Cleveland, you name it. If it was bad, the Oakland Seals did it. So they got uh, they got Oakland's pick in LaFleur's draft year. And uh, to make sure Oakland finished last, they traded Ralph Backstrom to the L.A. Kings for just about nothing. And Ralph Backstrom was a legit you know, top six NHL center. Not with the Canadians, they were loaded. He was like their third center, but they gave him to L.A. to make sure L.A. would finish out of Oakland. So, it, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, Montreal tried to do that with Lemieux's draft year, too. It just, you know, didn't click. They didn't get uh, – I forget who they made the trade with, but it didn't work out. But but uh, that's how they got Lafleur. You know, in the past couple of weeks, having seen Bossy pass away and Lafleur too, I, I got to say, Mark. I mean, I remember Bossy more, uh, just in terms of my age and his impact when it happened, and also my proximity to the Islanders growing up. Uh, not to say that I think he's a better player; certainly a different player. That one uh, just hit home to me a little bit more. But I see where you're coming from too, as far as the Lemieux angle, and uh, you know, the Penguins even went so far as to tweet out that picture of Lemieux when he was 15, sitting behind the bench. Yeah, Bossy was a better pure goal scorer, but Lafleur wasn't far behind in that regard. Who was the better all-around player? Boy, that's almost a dead heat. I'd, I'd hate to have to decide. Mark, let's get to the Steelers. They signed Terrell Edmonds, so they bring him back at safety, and everybody was applauding that online after it happened. That happened while I was on the air for your show, and I see it as a good bargain I just don't know how good of a player he is, and let's not confuse the two things. He's good enough. I mean, what what about him in his four years starting has been terrible? You know, he's he's average. You need X amount of average players, and he compliments Minka well. I think. You, you know, I mean, which, are you one of the guys who would have clamored to get Honey Badger? I mean, it's some inflated price, so you have a big name back there. No, I'm just saying he's a good bargain. I'm not saying this is the kind of move that shores up their defense any more than what it was last year because, I mean, they were letting them, letting them walk away, you know, and they didn't have any other answers. So uh, let's, let's not overvalue what's coming back is what I'm saying. I think it's fine. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, it's, if it makes their defense better. It doesn't make it worse. And he was plenty, you know, adequate at that position. Maybe that's damning with faint praise, but... He wasn't at the very least adequate. I can name a bunch of guys on that defense, Tim, that weren't adequate. I think Terrell Edmund was every bit as good at his job as uh, Highsmith was at his. 
for example. No, I buy that, and I wish this was a season for them where they could spend more attention at outside linebacker because I still think Alex Highsmith is basically a backup who's been elevated too much into a starting role. Um, oh, Tim, I, I think they should have uh, made Melvin Ingram the starter when they got him, and I think I don't think he was right to, to ask out like he did, but I understood. Do you think that they still lean safety, perhaps? Because, boy, that got a lot of momentum this week until they decided to bring back Edmonds. And there are some safeties on the board that I think uh, maybe were undervalued until a week or two ago when we've been talking about Steelers' potential draft choices. Well, first off, Tim, I want to say that that I am indeed a super genius, and not least when it comes to Steelers' coverage, because I said they should sign Trubisky. They did. I said they should uh, bring back Terrell Edmonds, and they have. Uh, I think I prospered covering the Steelers because I don't invent fantasy sequences based on what I would like to see them do. I don't just yell out quarterback or honey badger every five seconds. I understand how the Steelers think, as evidenced very much so far this offseason. But but I think they should take a defensive lineman with the first pick, one of those Georgia guys. Although, the one guy, Tim, what's his name? Help me out here. They, I guess he's off... I guess he's off their radar because of morals issues, right? Uh, yeah, he had an arrest while he was at Georgia. You know, got into an argument with his girlfriend, kicked in a door. Um, I can't remember if the charges were dropped or she, you know, begged them off or something like that. Um, and they're also kind of suggesting now he's not a great scheme fit. Um, you know, he's more of a pure up the field inside pass rusher and not very tall. They like those defensive linemen tall in their three four. So. I'm more of a Jordan Davis guy for sure. Uh, oh, Tim, I would think I would think everybody is, uh, and I hope he he is still there at number twenty because I'd love to see them get him. And we don't hear much about Stephon Tuitt coming back, right? No, we don't. That's gotten very quiet. Yeah, that, that's that's because he's not Tim. He never was going to. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, another thing that I had from the get go. Which is all the more reason to get Davis. And I disagree with those who say he's just a two down player. Well, first of all, you know, the last time they went with a guy in the first round who was just a two-down guy was Casey Hampton. That worked out great. Yeah, they've gotten by with Hargrave and Alu-Alu at that position, but I think what you're getting at, Mark, when they had Hargrave, he was pretty good at being a nose that could also come in and be a DN for Hayward and Tuit. This guy can do that probably better than Hargrave even did. Amen. Amen, Tim. That That's uh, very prescient thinking on your part. Hits the nail right on the head. And people who complain that he's only going to be a two-down player, hey, what if he gets off the field after two downs with the third-down defense being in a very favorable position because of him? Exactly. And they didn't do that nearly enough last year. And when they saw a lot of third and shorts, it made it all the easier for the opposing quarterbacks. And they were getting gouged in the run game where they didn't get to third and short enough as it was anyway. So he can also help in that regard. Yeah, I just think he's a great player. Uh, but, but Tim, here's my prediction. Again, thinking like they do, I think they're going to draft a quarterback. Matt Williamson said in our podcast that he is of the belief that if Willis is there, they'll definitely take him. He doesn't know about Pickett. He wouldn't, but they might be tempted, Mark, and the ghost of 1983 and all that. That would be the 15 most glorious minutes of Pittsburgh Steeler Pitt Panther Twitter I could think of. And oh my, if they pass on him again, how Pitt Twitter would just blow up. Yeah, I I just wouldn't take Pickett. I don't think he's that good. I don't think the upside's there. 
I wouldn't take Malik Willis either because he played for Liberty Biberty. He played for a high school with ashtrays. Uh, I just don't trust either pick. And by the way, you know why Pickett's dropping so so much in the draft, don't you, Tim? Because the ceiling isn't that high and people are buying into the hands thing? The hands thing. Okay, the more we say it doesn't mean anything, the more the more evident that it is that it does. When it comes to the hands thing, I look at Joe Burrow and say they're an eighth of an inch bigger. Does it matter all that much if Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow? Like the Oh, oh Tim, Tim, I'm not saying they should put that much stock into it. I'm just telling you they do. How early would you go wide receiver if you were them? If a, if a couple of the great ones in the first round were still there, would you be tempted? Would I be tempted? Yes. Is is uh, is Davis going to be there from uh, from Georgia? Let's say no. I'd be tempted. Depends how, how great. I mean, who are we talking about? Olave, maybe, from Ohio State. Uh, if not him, then the guy that had the knee injury last year, Jamie or Jameson Williams from Alabama. I, I don't want the guy with the knee injury. I never. If I have one draft policy, Tim, it's that I don't take the guy with the <laughs> knee injury. So yeah, the guy from Ohio State. Yeah, I, I'd be tempted, but I also think there's plenty of great receivers available. Like not, well, not great, but you know what I mean. Like the second or third yeah. round. Yeah, exactly. And, and I got to say this, Tim. Here's an interesting stat. Did you know in the last ten years there have been an average of four wide receivers? picked in the first round on average in the last 10 years. And there have been an average of 13 wide receivers picked in the hundred over the past 10 years, which indicates there's a lot of talent there and it's not that hard a position to fill. Yeah. It's kind of turning into running back, isn't it? And, and you know what the current, the modern day in the system players who are at the wide receiver position are driving the price up so high there's an economics level that comes into this. Just get a guy for three to four years before he prices himself out and then go get another one the next year. Yeah, that exactly right. Well, you're, that's, Tim, you're on fire. Wide receiver well, is I can't remember the difference back, between no the Penguins and the Steelers, but this I can do. Yes, absolutely. By the way, how about I got to bring up the Pirates. How about they won three out of four in Chicago, but were minus 17? Yeah, that's where I was going next. Did you watch any of the 21 nothing game? Would that become such a macabre fascination that you had to put it on for a little while, or were you just doing well, the deck hockey? Never mind that. Minus 17. They're the Evgeny Malkin of Major League Baseball. <laughs> like, it just get every hit kept finding a hole over and over again. It was like, you know, the Gas House Gorillas. They kept going through the lineup, and... Next thing you know, it's 21. Like, I was at the game where they lost 20 to nothing against the Brewers. I didn't think it'd get worse than that. It, it was worse. Tim, I'll be 100% blunt. I haven't watched one inning of Pirates baseball this year. I was watching on Twitter as they uh, got through the last inning and Bednar struck out the side or struck out whoever he was to, to end the game. And, yeah, he's a good relief pitcher, but... I don't know, Mark. I, I find it a little transparent when people just barf all over themselves at any minor accomplishment, like, you know, taking three or four from the Cubs and being eight and eight through 16. They were 12 and 11 last year, for crying out loud. Yeah, whatever. You know, people want to be happy, be happy. I mean, you know, as I always say during my uh, much beloved Bucko Roundup at, at 320 every day on the Jose de Guzman show. Yes. I'll say a home run was hit today by a guy I never heard of. The W today went to a win, went to a guy I never heard of. <laughs> like Ben Bedner struck out the side to get the save uh, in Sunday's game, but I only know who he is because he's from Mars. <laughs> exactly, he's the local guy, the local story. And beyond that, there's just not much to it. Right, right. So, so I mean, hey, if people want to get excited, far be it from me to say what people should get excited about. 
All right, so my thanks to Mark Madden. He'll be back with us next week, wrapping up the draft and looking at the Penguins' first-round playoff matchup. Also, tomorrow, Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network to look at the Penn State of Affairs. We'll have that expansion conversation of the playoffs with Mets, too. And we will have round three of Matt Williamson talking draft with us again in the trenches, offensive and defensive line. That's tomorrow here in the Pittsburgh CityCast.